So Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to start reading at verse 11 in Hebrews chapter 10. And what we're going to talk about this morning is the invitation into the Holy of Holies for the children of God. And something wonderful happened when the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And it didn't just happen then. Uh, its impact and its power continues to this day and is available to you and I. And this is one of those glorious passages of Scripture that you can just live in. Right? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. See, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 11. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oft times the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Now, just to touch off what we looked at last week, uh, the sacrifice of Jesus was far superior to any of the sacrifices of the Old Testament. See, they couldn't take away sin. They were all pictures of what was going to happen. They were, they were, they were pointing us forward to the reality that would actually come about uh, when Jesus died on the cross. And when Jesus had finished his sacrifice, he sat down. That's significant for us. You know, God created the world in six days, and then he rested. Why did he rest? Because it was done. It was finished. He had done all the work uh, in those six days. And when Jesus offered his one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down. There's no more need for a sacrifice ever. Any church today that thinks that they would sacrifice Jesus Christ again uh, is wrong, is off. Because the Bible's very clear. Jesus was offered once for all, and it's paid, it's done, it's finished. There's nothing else to pay. He sat down, it was over. All right, verse 13. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of sin is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore brethren... Now here's our passage. It's actually on the screen for you as well. Having therefore brethren... Boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Now, we're going to look at this message today in two parts. Where we're, going to, we're going to look at the, the, the first part of it, and then we're going to look at the results, the, the consequences of entering into the holies, or what life in the holies uh, is like for you. But we'll do that immediately after lunch. And I say that because I want you to stay for lunch, and I want you to stay for the evening service as well. And we'll be done about, about 2.30, 3 o'clock, uh, and you can go home at that point. All right? But we're going to, let's have a word of prayer, and then let's just ask... Let's look to the Lord and ask him to bless as we look at this word. Father, would you bless us now? We, we need you. We need your hand and your power upon us. Just watch over us. Be with us, Lord. May your truth come across to our hearts. And Lord, uh, would you quicken it and bring it to life in minds and hearts, Lord, that we might see it as real for us in Jesus' precious name. Amen. First point is that we have boldness to go in. Now you say, yeah, big deal. Well, if you take it in the context of the Bible, if you take it in the context of these Hebrew believers uh, that the author was writing to, it's a real big deal. You see, for the Old Testament Jew, the Holy of Holies was absolutely out of limits for everybody except the high priest once a year. 
That was the only person that ever got to go into the Holy of Holies. It was a terrifying place. Uh, people died for going into the Holy of Holies. I mean, the, the men of Beth Shemesh were, were killed because they dared to look into it. Uzzah put his hand, a good man, put his hand on the Ark of the Covenant to steady it, and God killed him instantly. The, the, the Holy of Holies for the Old Testament Jew had a terrifying awe about it. They were attracted to it, but they were terrified. They were, they, they were terrified about what, what could happen to them uh, with it. So when, when we're invited to come uh, boldly to go into it, this is something totally different to any Old Testament Jew uh, understood or would have known at all. This is a whole new era. This is a new covenant uh, in, in practical living where we're being invited to come boldly uh, into the throne, uh, <clears throat> into the Holy of Holies. And you see... Our, our, our passage invites us to have that boldness as we come in. It invites us to, to, to enter in. Now, what does that mean to us? Well, let me give you some of the background picture here. In Matthew 27, verse 51, it says, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did crake and the rocks rent. See, the Old Testament Jew, in the, in the temple, they had the outer court, the court of the Gentiles, where uh, you, or, you or I might have been able to go in, but beyond that, we would not be allowed to go. They, they, they were pretty strict about that. I mean, uh, you could be killed for going beyond that. And then there was the court of, the, of Israel, and there was the court of the women, and then there was the court of the priests. And then there was the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies was protected by a great veil. It was 60 feet high, it was 30 feet wide, and it was somewhere between 4 inches and 8 inches in thickness of the cloth. So this was an enormous great barrier to stop anybody from going in. That, 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 that was the purpose of it. It was an enormous barrier to stop. But when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible tells us that it was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. Not from the bottom up. It was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. Uh, it collapsed. It was torn. God torn. God, God, God himself shredded it uh, because he was opening a way into the holy of holies for us. Now, all the way through the Old Testament, we find God as a holy God. He's the same God today as he was then. He's still a holy God. He will have nothing to do with sin. But somehow, what happened on that day allowed us the privilege of being able to enter in to the Holy of Holies. The barrier was taken down. My, I showed my son this message before I uh, <clears throat> preached it, and he said, you know, you, sh you, you should call it, come on in, the door is open. <clears throat> and really, that's what God is saying to us. God is making it possible for us uh, to come into the Holy of Holies because of what Jesus did on the cross. Now, it's big stuff. If we were to tell an Old Testament Jew about this, they'd, they'd, they'd be amazed. The <clears throat> Even the saints... Uh, in glory would look down on us. The Old Testament saints, they would look down in glory. They would, they would think, wow, the privilege that they have. But you and I are very likely to miss the reality of something God has so preciously and wonderfully given us. It's easy for us to actually miss it. It's easy for us to live our lives and, and, and not really reckon on this truth or what it means to us or, or how it can help us or, or, or what it can do for us. Uh, Andrew Murray, uh, that, that, that great writer, a revival writer, writes about this <clears throat> theme. Let me read you just something of what he says. Here the Father's face is seen and his love tasted. Here his holiness is revealed and the soul made partaker of it. 
Hear the sacrifice of love and worship and adoration. The incense of prayer and supplication is offered in power. Isn't that what you want? Don't you want a real relationship with God? Don't you want to enter into the reality of that relationship with God? Not just something that's kind of, um, you know, uh, a Sunday type thing. You want to enter into a real relationship with God. This is where where it happens. What we're looking at this this morning is how it can happen for you. You can enter into that relationship. I hear the outpouring of the Spirit is known uh, in an ever-streaming, overflowing river from under the throne of God and the Lamb. Here the soul in God's presence grows into more complete oneness with Christ and more entire conformity to his likeness. Here in union with Christ, in his unceasing intercession, we are emboldened to take our place as intercessors who can have power with God and prevail. See, this passage is leading us into a place where we can have power with God. Where we can have a reality of relationship with God. Where we can walk with God and know God in the depth and the reality uh, that we want to know him. Andrew Murray, he, he gives this illustration. He says that um, you, you, you've heard the idea of somebody buying a, a newlywed couple. We have a couple of couples that were going to get married soon. And they would really like this. If somebody wants to do this for them, they, they, they'll be glad to have this. Done. But uh, we say you bought them a house. And just gave them a key. Emma, would you be happy? <laughs> Emma would be very happy. And you say, listen, this is your house. You can live in it. It's yours. Do whatever you like. You can, you can knock holes in the walls. You can put pictures on the walls. You can do whatever you like. This, this is your house. And um, that's what God has done for us. He has opened us a place for us to live in the Holy of Holies. Uh, child of God, the Father opens unto thee the holiest of all and says, Now be thy home. And what shall our answer be? What are we going to say to him? Do you know what we very often do? We very often miss the reality of the things God has offered us. And oftentimes what we'll say, what people practically in their lives say is, well, no, you see, I have my own shack. It's not much. It takes a lot of work to keep the rain out, but it's mine. And we never actually enter in to the place God has for us. God didn't die on the cross just so, so that you could go to heaven. That's very important. He, he didn't die on the cross just, just so that you could uh, live a better life. He died on the cross because he wanted a relationship with you. He died on the cross because he wanted to draw you close to him. He died on the cross because he wanted to give you the blessing of a home uh, in the holies with his. And he says, come boldly into the Holy of Holies, and not with fear like the Old Testament Jew, like we talked about. The fear's gone. The fear's removed. He says, come boldly. Now, boldly doesn't mean come in uh, with swagger, with pride. It means this. It means you can come in with an open heart, and you can say all that's on your heart to him. You can come into the Holy of Holies with your brokenness, with your emptiness, with your lameness, and you can lay it all out before him. You can talk to him about it. You see, we all have relationships in our lives. And, and here's the thing. You know, you, you don't share your heart with everybody in your life. You don't open up all the way to everybody in your life because it wouldn't be wise. In fact, you probably don't op- open up completely uh, with anyone human. But in this relationship, the God who knows everything about you, all your failures, all your wrongs, all your brokenness, all your emptiness, all the things you, 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 you hate to even look at for yourself. The God who knows all that about you says, come on in. Come boldly in. 
Now, we're also likely to decide this. You know what? Well, I'm going to clean up my act, and then I'm going to go in. Well, you know what? You can't really clean up your act. It's not going to happen if you do it that way. Uh, How is this confidence possible? How can we go in boldly? It's a result of the guilt having been removed by the blood of Jesus. And you see, it's having therefore boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Now, if it's by the blood of Jesus, that kind of knocks a whole lot of things out of the way for us. See, sometimes we think, we're kind of better than the Old Testament Jews. You know, those poor guys, they were proud, and they were arrogant, and they thought they had it all together, and they didn't. And um, we're kind of better. And we're, we're entering in because we're better people from a better generation, from a better covenant. Well, there's some truth in the idea that we're from a better covenant, but it's not because we're better. We're no better than them. We're no better than the Old Testament Jew. We're not good people in and of ourselves. And if we attempt to enter in based on our own goodness, uh, that's pride. We're going to bar the door for ourselves. You see, it's not by merit. It's not by the power of our prayers. It's not by the length of our prayers or the fervency of our prayers. It's when we realize, I'm not able. I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. But I don't have to because his blood did the work. His blood did the fixing. Do you know if you're not saved this morning, you might be laboring under the uh, illusion that somehow you can get yourself to the place where you're good enough to be saved. I mean, I, I, I would have loved that. If, if, if somebody could have showed me before I was saved how I could be good enough to be saved, I would have thought that was great. And you know, it, it would have just filled me with pride. You know, I didn't get saved till I realized I couldn't. There was nothing good in me, and it was only God, Jesus dying on a cross, that paid the price for my sin. And that's the only way you can get saved. It's the blood. It's the blood of Jesus that saves. It's not anything you do. It's not how good you are or how good you ever will be. It's the blood that does it. But you know what brings you into the holiest? It's the blood. You know, the sacrifice that Jesus made avails forever for us. It advanced forever. Octavius Winslow, great name, isn't it? He said this. He said, in all true prayer, great stress should be laid on the blood of Jesus. Perhaps no evidence distinguishes a declension in the power and spirituality of prayer more strongly than an overlooking of this. Where the atoning blood is kept out of view, not recognized, not pleaded, not made the grand plea, there is a deficiency of power in prayer. (coughs) When we don't reckon on the blood, being the only reason we have access to God, we miss it. Now, that's a double-edged coin. One side of it's pride. The other side of it is you can look at yourself and you can think to yourself, well, I'm not good enough. I can't do it. And that's true. But that doesn't mean the door is barred to you. You see, God deals in an economy of mercy. And when you realize that you can't and come to him, we talked about having our consciences sprinkled our, our, our hearts sprinkle from an evil conscience. Listen, the, the, the blood cleanses to allow me to go in. It's not me. I don't do it. I'm not able. It's the blood that cleanses. <clears throat> what we need to do is we need to understand the invitation that God is giving us. And we need to get drawn into it. Murray says this. He says, <clears throat> will you not come in? Uh, 
And, and let your response to God's message concerning the blood and the boldness it gives you be nothing less than this, that this very moment you go with the utmost confidence and take your place in the most intimate fellowship with God. And if your heart condemn you, if coldness or unbelief appear to make a real entrance impossible, rest not till you believe and prove to the full power of the blood, indeed to bring you nigh, having boldness by the blood of Jesus, then let us draw nigh. He says, listen, if you feel you can't, if you feel your heart is cold, if you come this morning and you say, you know, I'd kind of like that, but you know, I don't think I'm there. Listen, decide in your heart, I want it. I, there's, there's not a child of God in this room that doesn't want a closer walk with God. There's not a child of God in this room that doesn't want more of what God has to offer. You can have it, is what he's saying. You can come in. You can enjoy this relationship. That's what he intended for you. You don't have to fake it. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to live your life hoping someday you'll be good enough. He says, come in by the power of the blood. Will you not in your heart right now just say, Lord, that's what I want. I want to come in. I want to enjoy that. Do you know those decisions that we make are very important? You know those, those, those little prayers that you, 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 you cry out in the, in the middle of a sermon and nobody hears? Something God says to you, and you say, I want that. Do you know God hears those things? And God responds. God, God is always looking at our hearts. What do you want, child? And when you say, yes, that's what I want, God responds. You come this morning, and you're not saved, and you say, Lord, I want to be saved. I want to know I'm going to heaven. I want to have my, my sins sorted. You cry out to God right now. God will begin to work in your life. God will begin to work. God will draw you to himself. He's always waiting for us to respond to what he's doing in our hearts. But don't miss it. Don't, don't forget it. <clears throat> don't, don't, don't miss the opportunity that God has given you. Now, I want you to see something else here. Um, we have a new and living way. Now, what does that mean? <clears throat> By a new and living way, uh, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. What, what would a new and living way? First of all, it's new. Let me illustrate that for you. What do you think happened in the temple the day the veil got rent in twain from the top to the bottom? You had these uh, priests in there working. They were going about their business. They were, they were doing their, their, their normal thing. They, they knew this guy, Jesus, who was causing trouble. He was getting crucified today, and that was, that was going to be the end of him. And I uh, don't know how they responded to that. They were probably happy about that. Uh, but it turned out to be a very strange day because the, the sky went dark just in the middle of the day. And then there was an earthquake. And then they heard this dreadful sound from the Holy of Holies. They heard this great cloth ripping and falling. And what would they have done? Did they look in and say, oh, God's doing a new thing? No, you know what they did? They looked in and they said, we need to get this fixed. This is terrible. Don't look, don't look in there. Because they were terrified. Don't look into the Holy of Holies. You might die if you look. They didn't realize what God was doing. God was doing something totally new. They had such a hard time getting their heads around it. When a Jew gets his head around what God did that day, he gets saved. He gets born again. He's, he's got to get his head around what actually happened on that day and why that veil of the temple was, was rent into it. But I guarantee you what they did was they tried to put it back up again. They tried to stitch it back up, sew it back up, and hang it back up again because that was their whole lives. There's a barrier between us and God. We can't go in there. <coughs> we can't be that close to him. 
And they, they tried to put them, and they didn't realize that God was doing a new thing. You know, God's always doing a new thing. And sometimes we like new things, and sometimes we don't like new things. It's kind of interesting since we've changed from the pews around, right? Some of you like the uh, new arrangement, and, and some of you really don't like it. And it's hard when you're coming in to try and find a seat in a seat Sunday morning, and you can't find your comfortable seat, and uh, it gets And we don't like a new thing. These poor guys had to deal with a whole new thing, and, and they didn't like it. They didn't get it. But do you know that God's always doing a new thing? God's always at work. God's always changing things up and doing things. Now, he's the same yesterday and today forever, and he never breaks the word. It's always according to the word. But when he's working in your life, when he's changing things, he's going to do a new thing. Andrew Murray, um, in his church, came in one evening uh, to a youth meeting, and everybody was praying all at the same time. And to him, it sounded like confusion. It sounded like craziness. It sounded like the whole thing was just going crazy. They're all praying at the same time. And he walked through the prayer meeting and he said, stop. God is not the author of confusion. Stop. And he wanted them all to stop. And it wasn't until he got back to the end. They didn't stop apparently. But it wasn't until he got back to the end of the room. uh, There was a stranger standing in the doorway and said to him, be very careful what you're doing. I've seen this before. Uh, I've seen this as, as revival before. And a great revival broke out in his church. But, you know, he almost missed it. Listen, we need to let God have his way. We need to let God do what he's going to do. We don't need to box him in and tell him he's got to operate according to our uh, idea of things. We need to let God do what he's going to do. We need to give him space uh, to move and do what he's going to do. You see, God was doing a new thing here, and it's totally new. These poor Jews, they're, they're, they're absolutely flabbergasted. They can't, they can't understand what's happening here. And we need to understand that God does a new thing. You see, they were so used to the idea of condemnation. They lived with, they lived with the reality of failure in their lives. Because remember, uh, the law was a schoolmaster to bring them to Christ. No flesh was justified by, the, by keeping the law. They weren't able to keep it. So, so they lived with the idea of condemnation, and they would, they would bring their sacrifice, and they would make an offering for their sin, and their, their sin would be uh, dealt with, at least temporarily, but they'd have to come back and do it again. And now something new is happening entirely. Now, it's very easy for the New Testament believer to live halfway between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's very easy for us to live uh, between the law and Calvary, between the law and grace. Sin was dealt with at the cross, Now, that's not license. That doesn't mean you and I can do what we like and it doesn't matter. That's not what we're talking about here, right? Sin shall not have dominion over you, the Bible says, for you're under grace. What it means is that because of what Jesus did, you are free to live a holy life. You are set free to live holy. It's not you making it happen, living a holy life. You're always going to fail, just like the Old Testament Jew failed. But you have been set free by him to live a holy life, to live a changed life. Uh, see, if you look at the law, uh, you end up looking to the flesh. But the Bible says the answer is not for you to live by the law. The Bible says the answer is walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the deeds of the flesh. 
If you look in the wrong direction, you're going to be, you're going to be caught again. Romans 8, 1 through 4 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The righteousness of the law is fulfilled when we don't walk after the flesh, but walk after the Spirit. God actually works it out in us. Do you, do you understand that what God has given us in this new covenant, when, when he rent the veil, when he tore it down, and, and he invited us into the Holy of Holies, he didn't give us a new law to keep. He gave us a relationship to keep. He brought us in on the basis of what his son had done. And he said, come in. And we want, he wants to have relationship with us. And he fulfills the righteousness of the law in us. He does it. Not us. <coughs> We're not able to do it. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> you see, the, the, the veil barred man's, man's access to God. And when the veil was gone, access was open. Now you're going to say, okay, that's great, that's wonderful, but how do I get in? Now let me show you this. We have a great high priest. What do you think the high priest is doing? The high priest lived to serve the people. He lived to, uh, to make atonement for their sins. Uh, he lived to serve them. Do you, do you know what Jesus is doing today? Jesus will take you into that place if you let him. If you want it. If you want uh, to come in, he will take you in. Um, let me read you something from Andrew Murray again. Uh, his one work as priest over the house of God is to bring us into and enable us to live there. He does this by bringing God and the soul into actual harmony, sympathy, and fellowship with each other. As minister of the sanctuary, he does all that is to be done in heaven with God. As mediator of the new covenant, he does all that is to be done here on earth. You see, some of you are hanging around outside. You're on the fringes of Christianity. You're in the place where you're thinking, you know, listen, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. This is good. I like it. But I'm not sure I want it to take over my life. I understand that. I was there once. I'm not sure I want this to, to, to become my very life. And God says, listen, ask me. Ask the high priest. And he will take you in. You can't. You're never going to be able in your own power. But if you come to him and ask him, he will lead you in. It would be interesting to find out how many of you at some point have uttered a prayer where you've asked God to do something and forgotten about it and then found he had begun to work in your life and he was actually keeping that prayer. He was actually answering that prayer. He was working in your life and doing it. I don't know how many people I've heard give their testimony as far as salvation is concerned and they cry out to God to save them, uh, to, to, to make himself real in their lives and then God starts a work in their lives bringing them to the place of understanding the gospel, of knowing that they're a sinner, of knowing that there's a price on sin, hell and understanding that Jesus died to pay the price for that sin and God begins to do that work. You might be here this morning and you know, you're wondering, why am I here? What am I doing in this place? Well, I guarantee you because God's working. Because God's always working. You, you said, but I have a, a totally different idea of why I'm here. That doesn't matter to God. God's working in your heart and working in your life and drawing you to himself. Do you realize that God loves everybody in this world and Jesus paid the price for all sin and if anybody will come to him, he'll save them. But if he won't come, he won't save you. So he works in people's lives to draw them to himself. See, 
We need to understand that we have a high priest that can help us. We, we, we talked about this in Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. Do you know what that means? Is That means that Jesus knows what it's like to be you. He knows what it's like to be you if you're not saved. You understand? Because he's been here. He's, he's, he's gone through it all. He knows what it's like if you're, you're here this morning and you're a weak Christian and, and you're, 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 you're kind of floundering about. He, he knows. He understands. He, you're, not, you're not going to surprise him. He's not going to be shocked when you come in and you tell him what's going on in your life. He's not going to be shocked that, at, at, at your failure. He's, a, he's not going to look at you and, 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 and condemn you. There's no condemnation now, he says. But you know what we do? We hang back. We don't come in. The high priest will help you, will bring you into harmony and sympathy and fellowship with God. He will enable you to live that holiness that evades you if you'll just come to him. He was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, let me say this. God's economy is mercy, which means that if you come to God with any other economy, in other words, the other economy would be merit. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. I am going to be the man. I am going to be the woman. I am going to, <clears throat> I am going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and, and, and be the right kind of Christian. If you come with that kind of an economy, what happens is your pride bars the door to you. And that may be you this morning. You may be a quote-unquote good Christian, living a good life in your own power. And failing to come to grips with the reality of all that God wants for you. Living religion and not actually living in Christ. That's not what God wants for you. God wants you to enter in to enjoy his presence. You see, the Christian life was never intended to be drudgery. It was never intended to be hard and a grief to us. It was intended to be a joy and a blessing. Are there sacrifices? Yeah, there are sacrifices. But you know what? The sacrifices are more than outweighed by the blessings that come. And God says he wants you to <coughs> come in and to enjoy that blessing. Um, <clears throat> the one thing that keeps us out uh, is our pride. Then <clears throat> we're invited to draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure uh, water. He says to draw near. It's a gracious invitation. You see, till the veil was torn down, it was always stay out. Right? Think back with me. In Exodus chapter 19, uh, Moses goes up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. God does a, a shock and awe show uh, to show Israel how holy he is. And then he says, Moses, now I want you to come up. I'm going to give you uh, to talk to me. But I want you to make sure, put a, put a barrier around the end of the mountain. If they come near it, I'll kill them. And so Moses does that. He puts the barrier and the people stand by. The people are terrified. Uh, and um, <clears throat> so Moses goes up the mountain. When he gets to the ma- up the mountain, God says to him, now listen, I want you to go back down and tell them not to come near the mountain. And Moses said, I've already told them. He says, no, go back down and tell them. You see, the, be, be, before the veil was rent in twain, there was always the command to stay back. Right? <clears throat> the, <clears throat> the, the, the veil did that. Um, 
You know, <laughs> uh, in the Garden of Eden, uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, there were angels put guard in the gate because they couldn't be near God. And you see, before the veil was rent, it was always stay out. But now there's this gracious invitation. Let us draw near. Come on in. Come on. God says, come on in. God has changed it completely. He has turned it around completely. Uh, <clears throat> uh, the whole thing has changed for us. You see, sin bars our fellowship. But now what God has done, he's dealt with our sin through Jesus Christ. So fellowship is open to us now. He wants us to draw near. Now, understand this. It's not you doing it. It's not you getting yourself holy. It's not you getting yourself to a certain standard Christian-wise. Same as it wasn't when you got saved. You didn't get saved by getting yourself right and making yourself holy. You weren't able to. And when you realized that and you cried out to him, he saved you. You know what? You don't come into the holy of holies by getting yourself straightened out and right. You come into the holy of holies by admitting your need and your weakness by asking the great high priest to take you by the hand and to lead you in, to bring you in. That's how you come into the Holy of Holies. And you see, it's the heart God is dealing with. You see, the only question that you and I have to answer is this. It's, it's not, are we good enough? Uh, the question is this. Do you want it? Do you want him? That's the question. The question is not, are you good enough? That, that one was answered a long time ago. No, you're not. That was answered in the, in the blood of Jesus. And he said, you can be. In my blood. And the question for you is, do you want to? Do you, do you want him? You see, God's always dealing with our heart. Hebrews talks about a wandering heart. Uh, it talks about uh, our heart is always the issue for God. We're, 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 our hearts are so often not focused in the right place. Our hearts are not trusting. They're not, they're, they're not looking to him. Our hearts are just going our own way and doing our own thing. And he says, do you want it? Is that your heart? Do you want it? And do you? I mean, are you willing in your heart right now to cry out to him and say, Lord, that's what I want. I want you. I want this relationship. I want to go into the Holy of Holies. Lord, I can't. I know I'm not able. I know I'll never be able. But Lord, you're the great high priest. Will you take me in? And he will. He lives to intercede for us. He's, he's, he, he, he's not a dead savior. He's at the right hand of God working on our behalf today. question is, do you want it? Now, some of you are saying, well, yes, I do, but. Now, your but's your problem. <clears throat> your but's your problem because your but represents the other things that you want instead of him. Do you know, <clears throat> the interesting thing about our, our relationship with God is that God is able to give us anything. Anything that's good for us and he thinks right for us. And some things he says are not right for us. Interesting, when King David sinned with Bathsheba, it was really interesting, God's, God's reaction to it. I mean, he sinned with Bathsheba, and then he, uh, he committed adultery first, and then he murdered her husband, and uh, he just brought great shame on the name of God altogether. But w when God confronted David about it, <coughs> he said to him, David, I, I gave you this and this and this and this and this, and I would have given you more if you needed it. Why did you do this that I wasn't given to you? Do you know the but in your life is the something you don't believe God wants to give to you? And if God doesn't want to give it to you, it's not good for you, let it go. Just release it. Let it go. It's not good for you. You see, David didn't, and David really hurt himself. I mean, David brought, David brought a blot on his name. 
Uh, God had given him so much and would have given him anything he needed. But when David took Bathsheba and went through all that dreadful time, you know, he brought a terrible blot on his name. And you know, the only way David was able to fix it was by this. He turned to God and he said, God, you're right. I was wrong. I should never have done it. And David's faith was restored and God restored him to a relationship with him too. And here's the thing. You've got to come down on God's side against yourself sometimes. You've got to come down on God's side and say, listen, I want you more than I want me and what I want. Now, you'll never be sorry that you did that. You'll never be sorry that you chose God over sin and over self. Never. There's never going to come a day when you're sorry about that. But you know what? There's a courageous moment in your heart that has to come into action for you to do it, where you say, Lord, I want you more than I want this. What is it that's holding you back? What is it that's keeping you out of the Holy of Holies? What is it that's keeping you away from that sweet relationship with God? Would you not be done with it this morning? Just let it go. Just say, Lord, take it away. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not saved. What is it that's holding you back as far as salvation is concerned? What is it that the world offers that you think is better than eternal salvation with God in heaven? Oh, listen, we make some foolish choices. We make some desperately foolish choices. Listen, if you're not a believer, listen, put that, put that thing behind you and, and choose God. I guarantee you, the life you'll have in Christ will be far superior to any life that you had outside of Christ. I guarantee you, listen, I've never heard anyone, <clears throat> honestly, regret the fact that they got saved. You don't regret that. I mean, you, you grow in the understanding of what that means over the years. If you're not saved, today would be a great day for you to get saved. You trust Christ as your Savior. And if you're hanging outside the Holy of Holies because there's something between you and God, then listen, get it dealt with today. <coughs> See, God wants for you a relationship that is real uh, with him, and he invites you to draw near. All right, now, we're going to close. We're going to come back and we'll finish off uh, this after, after lunch, so do stay for after lunch. But, but here's the question for you as we close this morning, right? <clears throat> In your heart, Do you really want him? Do you want to enter into the Holy of Holies? Do you want to enter into that place of real deep relationship with him? No, he's not going to force you. He's not going to make you. He's he's not going to get your arm behind your back and make that happen in your life. But you know what? You don't have the right to expect that God is going to come to you over and over and over again and ask you. And if the Spirit of God is dealing in your heart this morning, you know what would be the wisest thing for you to do? For you to respond to him and say yes. If you're not saved, give you a moment, give you a, a moment to pray in a few minutes now. If you are in the place where you need to enter into a deeper walk with him, and you know it, in those moments, why don't you cry out to him in prayer and just ask him to do it? You can't, but he can You can't save yourself, but he can. You can't bring yourself into that relationship, but he can. Just cry out to him and do it. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to leave you. Just sit where you are. We'll we'll stand in a moment to sing, but sit where you are, and you do business with God. (coughs) Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this morning, and thank you, Lord, for this people that have come out. Now, blessed spirit of the living God, 
You know what you're doing in each heart here, Lord. If there's one that needs to be saved, Lord, may today be the day when they just simply cry out to you and ask you to save them. You know, if there's one here that needs to enter into the holies, that needs to enter into that sweetness of relationship with you, Lord, would you speak to that heart and draw them in? Blessed Spirit of the living God, we're in your hands now. Would you, would you work in hearts and lives? In Jesus' name. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed, and the piano is playing quietly. You just do business with God. Father, we thank you for hearing our prayer. We thank you for giving us the privilege, Lord, of coming into the Holy of Holies. And Lord, we do ask that you would bless and that you would answer those prayers now in Jesus' precious name. Amen.